0: Welcome to the Faith and Culture Now podcast. I'm Scott Schiffer, and today I'm joined by Aaron Newton and Randall Worley. So Aaron, Randall, as always, it's wonderful to have you guys here.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here.
0: All right. Well, today Mm -hmm. is a fun day for me. We're going to be talking about Halloween, and uh, that's certainly, uh, I think, an important issue for faith and culture because uh, we've got to ask ourselves as Christians, should we participate in Halloween? And I am of the opinion that not only should we participate in Halloween, but it's okay to use the word Halloween itself. Uh, There's a lot of churches and a lot of people that uh, who are Christians who are afraid to use the word Halloween. Uh, I saw a video the other day of a person who said he chooses for his family not to participate, which is perfectly fine. If anyone doesn't want to participate, I'm good with that, especially if the Holy Spirit convicts them not to, you know, participate. I wouldn't want them to go against that conviction. But um, in his video, he said, because it has a demonic origin. And we know for a fact that that is not the case, but that is not to say there are not demonic things surrounding the holiday. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'm just going to sort of open it up as we begin here, uh, and just say, uh, you know, uh, Aaron, uh, Randall, do either of you guys have any maybe Halloween experiences that you want to share that, uh, would be fun as we get the conversation going.
2: Yeah, I think my involvement growing up, my parents really didn't care much either way. Halloween, I, I grew up on the mission field. My parents were missionaries in Spain and Halloween when I was growing up was not celebrated in Spain. I think it's become, you know, the States has a lot of influence around the world and I think it's started to be, to happen, but growing up, we only did it when we were on furlough but my parents never had any issue with it. I remember uh, fi- figuring out how to do fake makeup to, you know, do scars and blood on my face and all kinds of stuff for Halloween. I, I never, uh, my parents never seemed to really be all that concerned about it. Uh, but I, my experience has been more on, on the pastor's side being here now as an adult and, uh, being pastoring churches, the church I'm at right now, they had fall festivals. Uh, they were uh, very much did not want to use the word Halloween anywhere, uh, and um, I haven't. I don't. I don't think I've made a huge issue about it. I mean, I I, I try not to offend everybody just for no good reason, but. <laughs> I honestly have always thought of Halloween as a great outreach opportunity. I mean, there are so many people who will come to the church building uh, if we take advantage of the holiday. Uh, It's not really nobody gets it off, but I mean, the celebration, Um, if we take advantage of it and and plan something that will be attractive to the community, you can actually draw in people who have never heard uh, the gospel and really need to hear it. But my my problem has been so many times the churches, rather than using it as an outreach, they're kind of using it as a way to insulate their own kids from the culture around them, mm-hmm. and uh, they plan events that are so saccharine, uh, sweet, and and uh, sanitized, and and completely. Unattractive to anybody who's not already in the church, and honestly, unattractive to people in the church. Um, it, it just it it become you kind of waste the whole opportunity to connect with the world around you. Um, and we're trying this year; uh, it's the first time I'm calling it a community trick or treat instead of, because um, I figure I really want I want somebody to walk in the door who has never set foot in a church. That's who I want to reach. Uh, I don't want to shuffle around kids from all the other churches in town. Uh, that That's sure. just not interesting to me. And I, I feel like I'm not really providing a vital kingdom service if that's what I'm doing.
0: I think those are some really good thoughts, you know, um, uh, is as churches, you know, offer these events. Uh, I think it's great for kids to be able to come. It's a safe place. You know, people, parents have, ease of mind knowing that the candy that their kids are getting should be safe and edible. Um, but, uh, you know, if if you're not really reaching out to the community and helping those who are unchurched or who are, you know, in the poor neighborhoods around the church or whatever else, then, yeah, it's kind of like, well, how much good are we really doing here? That We're never called to isolate ourselves from the world. We're to go into the world and share God's kingdom with the world. And so, participating in these events is a great way to uh, build a bridge to God's kingdom with people who have no relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, what about you?
1: Oh, I love Halloween. <laughs> I'm not even going to play it down. <laughs> um, yes. As a kid, my parents were not against it, um, which was great because I'm not an actress kind of person. So theater was not my world, but I loved the idea of dressing in a costume. So you only had like the one, the one day a year, you can be a little bit weird and it's generally <laughs> accepted in the world. So I loved it for me. it always kind of started as like a creative outlet. Like what could you dream up and create and, and put on a costume and and have fun. Um, and so I, we I have four kids, and so we definitely have brought that to our kids of just like, you know, shoot for the moon on ideas and I'll try to create a costume that attains whatever goal. And and so we have always gone trick or treating as kids, um, as you know, even as adults, my husband and I still dress up just to kind of have that fun aspect to it. Um, When I lived in Massachusetts, I lived in Massachusetts for a year when I was a kid, and that was a little bit of a different experience, kind of realizing that Texas trick-or-treating kind of had its own way. I mean, it was pretty typical, like um you know you go to the house you get the flavor
0: of everything yes
1: (laughs) so when i lived in massachusetts there were multiple houses that you would knock on the door say trick or actually you didn't say trick or treat they would ask you if you wanted a trick or if you wanted a treat and so they had houses this is like a very old uh neighborhood old old houses and they would be like already decked out as haunted houses and so you could say trick And they would let you into their haunted house, which looking back, I'm (laughs) like, perhaps going into a stranger's house was not the safest (laughs) idea, but this was like a different kind of world and community where I lived. And, and so I am definitely pro Halloween from a personal aspect and I love candy. So this is like the ultimate, um, (laughs) holiday for me but um from like the christian standpoint so i didn't become a believer until junior high so i was already well ingrained in halloween by then um but it was a little bit harder because i came from a church that that they did remove halloween so it was kind of fall festival Mm -hmm. um it was an event geared for church members so it wasn't even particularly an outreach i think they may have had that in mind, but it wasn't advertised, um, as an outreach event. And, uh, I will say this church, I I no longer attend, but they did wise up and later on move to an outreach idea and they called it, um, hamburgers and Halloweenies. And so houses in neighborhoods would host hamburgers and hot dog grilling
0: like earlier
1: in the day, and tell all the neighbors and so people could go get free dinner as they're walking around and that i think they got right really well um that's great it was really creative so it was so i have never been against halloween um but as a parent i do have a little more reservations on Um, letting my kids obviously roam alone. That's just kind of a safety concern. But the costumes, this is where I would probably get in on. I have more issues with my kids wanting to be something violent or, you know, the the sexualization of a lot of girls' costumes uh, is kind of an issue there. But as a whole, I love it. And I've already eaten through one bag of Halloween candy. So I'm going to have to go buy more. (laughs) It's never going to make it, but... I love it.
0: Yeah. My wife uh, got Halloween candy the other day to give out to people in the neighborhood. And she put a note on it for me specifically that said, this is for trick-or-treating. Stay out. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I guess she thinks that I'm the one that's going to open the bag. But I know if I open the bag, what will happen is there are four other people in the house who have small hands that will go by and take things out of the bag. But if the bag is not open... (laughs) They know mom and dad will ask who opened the bag, so they don't right. they don't touch it till it gets opened. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I think that that's a valid point about the costumes or kind of costumes. Uh, you know, I'm obviously uh, you know, we let our kids dress up. I don't dress up that often anymore because i'm just a tired worn out dad but um (laughs) uh, but i do go around the neighborhood with the kids and uh i'll let our older girls go without me i'm good with that they're uh teenagers at this point so that's not a problem for me uh but our younger ones you know uh who are six and nine uh you know i feel like they still need the adult supervision um last halloween uh each of our girls had friends in the neighborhood that wanted to go trick or treating. I think by the end of it, I was walking around the neighborhood with about seven or eight uh, girls, you know, trying to keep track of all of them, you know, from house to house. And um, uh, with regard to the different kinds of costumes, you know, it's, it is a concern. You don't want to have your kids dressing up in something that undermines your values. And uh, I don't really want my kids dressing up in a way that glorifies the demonic. And right. so um I we haven't really had too many issues in our house with that, but there's a few times where we said you can't actually be that. Mm-hmm. And so right. uh I think that's just part of you know being a parent and part of uh having standards, I guess, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um I saw another person the other day who uh was talking about how she had uh left Christianity and began practicing witchcraft. And when she got out of witchcraft, um, she went back to Christianity, realized, you know, what she had done was wrong and uh, not obviously what the Lord was, uh, you know, wanting her to do with her life. And so she went back into Christianity and now she says she has a hard time with Halloween because she likes a lot of the more innocent things. And she likes a lot of the, you know, American culture things of Halloween but that she has a hard time separating that from the cultic practices she would do. Um, you know, I think there are things that Christians should not do period, whether it's Halloween or not. Um, you know, I tell my girls, you know, you're not allowed to play with Ouija boards, you know, um, you don't do things that are cultic in nature. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Christians shouldn't be going to the neighborhood seance at Halloween. um, if there is a neighborhood seance, although the neighborhoods, there's not going to be one. Right. So uh, so there are things that we as Christians don't do, but the word Halloween itself, for anyone listening that doesn't know, uh, simply means the eve of All Saints Day. And All Saints Day is November 1st. All Souls Day is November 2nd. And these are both Catholic holidays where they essentially commemorate the lives of Christian saints who many of them were martyrs you know, throughout church history. And so uh, the name Halloween itself has no demonic origin. Um, and there's a, um, if you will, there's a tradition uh, in uh, Ireland uh, called ween And ween simply means summer's end. And in the ancient world, Ireland celebrated New Year's Day on November 1st. And so as Catholicism moved into Ireland, uh, these two holidays sort of became conflated together. And then, of course, as Halloween, uh, well, as Catholicism uh, then you know spread through Europe, other ideas from so-wing got brought into Europe proper. And then by the time you get people coming into America, they're bringing some of these traditions with them as well. Uh, I find it interesting that the tradition of trick-or-treating originally started on November 2nd. And it was people going around asking for food who were poor and being given bread, typically with a cross on it uh, to symbolize Christ's sacrifice for us and then his call to give to the poor. And, uh, you know, of course, now it's all for children and it's all for candy. And, uh, you know, even in a lot of trick or treating neighborhoods now, uh, you don't really find a lot of people doing tricks anymore. <laughs> it's um, uh, primarily just, hey, uh, I want some candy, you know. <laughs> um so so i think that there's a lot more innocence there than what some people want to attribute to the holiday but uh, at the same time part of those irish traditions part of the ancient roman cultures traditions had to do with commemorating the dead uh on halloween and you know it's one thing to you know think about the people you've lost in the previous year and to take some time to mourn for them and to uh you know think about how life has changed and other things of that nature that's all good but when it starts getting into let's see if we can communicate with the dead uh or we should be worshiping the dead you know that kind of stuff that's that's very negative the idea that halloween is based on the celebration of the god of the dead however was a rumor that started in england in the 1700s and so before the 1700s that was actually not the case but again you know we're 200 years plus removed from that now and so now it's sort of common knowledge even though it's false knowledge that uh there's demonic origins to the to the holiday
1: Hmm. that's interesting i um i didn't know the full history and i had watched your videos on tiktok about that i mean i knew the association with all hallows eve and and all saints day um and i think i think it's interesting because um it'd be nice to see more like how did we get to this point like where did christianity or maybe christian culture start to you know turn its back on this as demonic you know was it really a overriding demonic feeling about the holiday or was it just fear driving kind of a false narrative about it and um when we were talking about doing this podcast it did make me think of stranger things um and the most recent season you know really highlighted that fear of the community Mm -hmm. um against specifically this is you know Dungeons and Dragons and the club that plays that game and and I think there's a scene where Eddie Munson, one of the characters, is reading a Newsweek article about the dangers of the satanic, you know, influence of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. And, you know, I'm thinking about what we're going to dress up as for Halloween. And I'm like, oh, we should totally do a Strangers thing, you know, theme. <laughs> and then at the same time, I'm like, but is is this okay? I mean, like the whole show is talking about the dangers of that demonic influence Um, and it just makes me think about like is it like where is the level like where do you draw that line in enjoying the innocence of it like the dressing up the creativity the fun part of it and what really is kind of like poor choices like Ouija boards or you know and even then I probably am more on the fence of like ah it's just the board games not real anyways Um, in your opinions like where would you like what is the role of a person in those those spheres like can it passively affect affect you do you have to have an active part in this i don't know yeah. i don't hopefully that makes sense to you but yeah. tell me what you think
0: it it does make sense i think before answering that i want to bring up something else you had shared before we were coming together to record this podcast and it's about the mom in north texas who's been warning everybody against watching hocus pocus 2 now mm-hmm disclaimer i have not seen hocus pocus one or two i don't Uh, think i'm the right demographic so you know um (laughs) it just hadn't really appealed to me i guess but um (laughs) maybe i'll check it out uh but uh you know one of the things she says in her interview with the the local news is that you know you don't know what's coming through that tv and uh she talked about them doing spells well you know uh, first and foremost, you know, if if you have the Holy Spirit, um, I believe theologically that you cannot be possessed by a demon, uh, mm-hmm. and I believe that you have the Spirit living in you, and He's considered a seal, and uh, you know that's like a king seals a letter right with wax to say like this is official, you know. When the Holy Spirit is living in you, uh, He um, convicts your heart of both sinful things. And good things, right? He convicts you of righteousness. And so I would never tell someone to ignore the convictions of the Holy Spirit. I will say that his convictions should never contradict Scripture uh, Mm. because God is unified in all of his thoughts, deeds, and actions. But, um, you, you know, with that being the case, you know, there are, I think, fears that go too far. Uh, you know, what happens, what, you know, what happens on the TV could have, you know, there's a demon coming through the TV into our house, probably not, Um, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, there are horror films, I don't think we should be watching, Mm -hmm. but you can't, you can't take, um, I'm trying to think how to say this, you can't take out of, um, you know, horror, the idea of man's fallenness, right, and so monster films typically highlight, uh, our own sinful nature and sinful desires and it's understanding our fallenness and our brokenness that re, that uh, sort of pushes us to the understanding that we need salvation that there's got to be more than this um i don't think that there's anything wrong with the dungeons and dragons right uh as far as actually playing it in fact randall you can probably speak to that much much more clearly than <laughs> i can uh, but um you know when it comes to shows um, I, I think there's a difference between watching a show that glorifies the evil and a show that reveals the evil, you know, in in movies where good wins out in the end, I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, when it glorifies evil and you're rooting for the evil and evil wins in the end, there's, there's something that you think as a Christian, maybe I shouldn't be really enjoying this so much, yeah. but Randall, I'll turn it over to you. <laughs> Yeah, I
2: I think it's it's a it's a really interesting question. I think as Christians, we 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 try to try to honor God in all of this and figure out what we need to be doing. Um, And the sad thing is most people don't want to have to think about anything. They just want to blanket either do the whole thing or cut it all out. Um, And. I don't think that's the way we're called to to engage the world around us as Christians. I think we're to evaluate everything and retain the good, and um, this this idea that you know if it has any whiff of something negative, uh, now some of it is. Some people have no patience with fantasy or science fiction. They are, uh, I forget, uh, there is some. Famous writer who talked about the willing suspension of disbelief. Uh, there are people who are are not willing uh, to do that, you know. So they dismiss the whole genre completely. But uh, I, I think it it often offers uh, an opportunity to address issues and almost like a parable would, you know. You create this false uh, setting, this made up setting and you ponder the human condition in these alternate uh, scenarios. Uh, and, and good fantasy uh, does that, and good science fiction does that. But the genre itself isn't good or bad. Uh, there are excellent uh, examples that I would recommend as this is thoughtful and thought-provoking and and beneficial and, and horrible examples that they're just peddling lies and, and horrible, concepts about what it means to be a human being you talk about monster uh, stuff have, have any of you seen the show being human yes. no i haven't that one to me is kind of fascinating because you've got the ghost and her issue is feeling uh ignored or not seen and you know the vampire is uh kind of the lust or you know and and the the werewolf is kind of rage or just losing mm. control of yourself you know and and i think a lot of times the genre allows you to to look at at questions uh, and address them um and i think even even horror films that don't end well can be good uh in the same sense that tragedies can be good uh if the point being made is you know these are some some human flaws that have negative consequences uh now if it's 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 the kind that's just like evil is going to win no matter what you do and you might as well accept that then that's clearly not a message we're we're interested in, in promoting. Um, I, I think movies like Twenty Eight Days Later were very thought provoking for mm-hmm. me. You know, just mm-hmm. what, just who is the monster? You know, uh, that was that was a very I thought well made uh, movie that would fall into the the horror genre. Yeah. But you talk about d and d. I honestly, uh, i'm I'm an avid tabletop gamer, but I have never really gotten into d and think maybe I got into gaming too old. <laughs> and I just feel stupid trying to come up with dialogues. i, I It just it never kind of clicks easily for me. So I always feel really self-conscious. I've never really uh, done well with d and d. so but I have a lot of my daughter plays D&D games and and, uh, the the themes on them are all over the place. You know, it's no longer really Dungeons and Dragons. You can do Western or sci fi or they have all the different themes you can imagine. One thing that, again, I don't think the the game structure itself in and of itself is good or bad, but I think it can be bad Uh, because uh, in D&D, you create a character for yourself and you're you're kind of like an actor uh, you create a backstory for the character and you're interacting in the game as this character. It's kind of a a group make believe. Uh, and you're, you're, you have these scenarios created by what they call the dungeon master that they, he creates these scenarios. And then the rest of the people in the group interact as to how they're going to address those scenarios and try to do so in character uh my problem is i don't think it's a great idea for a christian to choose to be i'm going to be the thief assassin who's sleeping around with everybody i mean there there are certain things you probably shouldn't be fantasizing about as a christian and and uh, i can see a negative uh because there is uh in the genre, there there's no baseline moral code. You can be chaotic good, chaotic evil. They have all these ways to categorize it, and you can be flat out evil, evil all the way, and play a character that way. And I, I can see the danger in that psychologically, uh, of kind of fantasizing about these things and and dwelling on them. I don't I don't think that's healthy or helpful. Um, but in my experience, most people that play D Try to pick characters that they think would be worth emulating. You know, they they try to be the hero in the story, not the villain.
1: Yeah, I, I like. I feel like what I hear you saying, and I totally agree, is like this idea of like in and of itself. M- much of this is in its like not mm-hmm. innocent. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but like neutral. it can be a neutral force. <laughs> you it's know. Yeah, uh,
2: It isn't morally good or bad. It's right. just a system or a structure. And it's like a book. A book can be good or bad. Right.
1: And I, and I hear like you're, just, you're just talking about like the the fantasizing over it and the emulation of these ideas. Like there is that personal active participation in that. And I think for me, like as we're talking about, like my kids are currently Uh, watching through the Harry the older two are watching through the Harry Potter series Uh and we kind of held off for a while on that because I was afraid they'd have nightmares Mm -hmm. Um, but now it's a weird idea of like I need one I need my son to watch this because of you know some social issues he's going with and like bullying and things like that to see that there is this character that has been created like the Harry Potter character and that you know, good wins out, but it's hard, and he suffers. and he, you know, the yeah. community of these small group of friends and how they're true to each other. anyways, like yeah. you said, like there's some really great things in these stories. That's not a monster story, but right. um, you know, that it kind I don't know. i I sometimes struggle with like how far do you let you know your own imagination go? um I also have issues with people cutting it out completely, but then being okay with teaching the plagues of Egypt. I'm like, okay, how do I explain to my children? (laughs) The water was blood, blood, you know, everything you're pouring out in your pictures is blood, you know, and like, they're really fascinated about that currently, Um, you know, and even like the witch of indoor, I'm like, it's even in the Bible. So I don't think we can ignore it, but it's how we interact and how we participate I think, I, I
2: think okay. in the bible the book of judges is what i would call a horror book um it's written that way it's meant to be frightening um and you know uh, to pretend that uh god has puritan sensibilities is to misrepresent god um i'm sorry scott yeah, you no, you're,
0: it's all good yeah i uh I was thinking about how, you know, a lot of people who are also very anti Halloween or uh you know, oh, we're just going to not do any of that, you know, because we don't like that kind of stuff, but then somehow they're okay with The Chronicles of Narnia because C.S. Lewis wrote it, you know, or they're right. okay with The Lord of the Rings, which both have witchcraft and goblins and ghouls and I mean all and kinds gods. of things, right? And gods, that's right. Little G, you know. And so, you know, <laughs> you you have these things written in great Christian fantasy Mm-hmm. um uh, Randall, one of the things you said made me think of Carrie Underwood. Um, uh, uh, and you think how, how in the world are you connecting Carrie Underwood with all this? But, you know, in a lot of her songs, she plays kind of a, you know, a character, right? Yeah. And, you know, she'll and I've heard her in an interview say, there's things I say that I'll do in my songs that I would never do in real life. Yeah. Um, such as one of her, you know, really big hits was uh, the one about breaking out the guy's headlights and, Next you, know, time he her his yeah. scene, you know, all that, right? She's <laughs> like, I would never act on that, but it expresses how you feel in moments of frustration. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, in her uh, her mind, at least I don't want to put words in her mouth, but uh, in, in her mind, I think there's this idea of expressing your emotions uh, so that you can better process things Uh and i think that Uh a lot of horror films really help us express our emotions and process things in the same way that songs do that do that and uh uh, and one of my tiktok videos aaron i mentioned that um uh when you go through a traumatic experience a lot of times it uh, produces dopamine it's kind of like you know adrenaline junkies you know you jump out of an airplane it's going to produce a certain level of dopamine right and in the same way, when you go through something scary, but unscathed, unharmed, uh, you get that same dopamine type hit and it makes you feel good. But when you go through that with your friends, so when you and your friends go to a haunted house, it actually helps you draw closer together as friends in oh, huh. hmm. uh, the same is true if you go to a scary movie. Um, it's not that, um, you know, all scary movies are equal or good. I think as Christians, we should always be thinking, you know, well, is this film worth seeing in the first place? You know, um, I mentioned a haunted house here. I want to bring up something else. And that is the idea of Christian judgment houses or hell houses. Um, (laughs) I think they call them judgment houses more often now than they used to call them hell houses all the time, but It's this idea that uh, you go into this Christianized haunted house where all these lost people, non-Christians, you know, you see like their lives just unravel and it's just horrible and they all end up in hell. And it's sort of meant to scare you into a relationship with Jesus to essentially avoid going to hell. And I think it misses out on two main points. The first is You don't become a Christian to avoid hell. You become a Christian to develop a relationship with the God who created the universe and who cares deeply about you. Uh, Second, um, the stereotype that everyone who's not a Christian is just void of all morals or, you know, that everyone who's not a Christian makes horrible life decisions um, is so far fetched that the stereotype doesn't really match reality. And so, you know, there are stereotypes that are accurate. That's why they exist the stereotypes in those houses are not accurate and that's why it looks i think so bad to the community outside the church
2: yeah yeah i've i've never even been to one of those um i I don't know i I, I guess uh, the idea of the haunted house does not appeal to me um being Hi. deliberately spooked mm-hmm. by other people well i think i may have been once or, but, but as young and didn't care for it. Uh, but Aaron.
1: Oh, I've been to both. I have been to <laughs> a Hell House and a traditional haunted house. Uh-huh. And I like neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't enjoy being afraid. Um, but peer pressure. So I went. Mm. And so the local Baptist church uh, where I live um, used to host a judgment house. And it was... It was very that, you know, kind of we're going to evangelize you through fear, which is not a a good beginning of a any relationship that begins with, I'm going to make you fear for your life and then we'll start a relationship. It's just not a good basis. Like we wouldn't do that in dating. We wouldn't do that with friends, but we think it's okay with Jesus. I don't think that's good. Um, It was weird as a teen to have my friends who went to that church talk about being involved in it i mean like one of my close friends was you know like the worst of the characters and i knew who the satan was it was somebody i went to high school with and (laughs) that always felt weird like and they were so proud so proud like i'm a demon in the hell scene and you're like okay (laughs) um so that was weird and then our high school put on the theater group would put on a haunted house you could go through which props to the theater kids they're phenomenal at what they do and i was so afraid i would rather go to the hell house than that one yeah. um which just had a lot of clowns and ugh, you know things like that <laughs> um so i i've done both I, with my kids um and especially my daughter's a little uh kind of an- anxious personality um I usually tell her like, I don't want you to watch this because I've seen it or I know about it. And I'm like, you can't unsee some of the scenes that, yeah. that you'll watch. And I was like, I'm just telling you like, Hey, they're not real. This is performed, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you don't even like when you dream at night, you're not going to have as much control over what you're dreaming. And it's just not fun to have nightmares. I suffered yeah. from night terrors as a kid And But as a teen, would just keep watching, you know, like um, Chainsaw Massacre, like Mm. the scary movies. I think I got old enough when Saw came out and I was like, I am officially done. I have filled my brain with enough terrible things that I can't even sleep well sometimes. So it's more of like a self-preservation, not so much like if you watch it, the demons will come out of the screen and get you. But uh, this idea of like, it's just not wise to... To yeah. to put that out there in your mind, um, because it, it's difficult to to move past it if if it does cause you fear.
0: There was yeah. a comedian who a number of years ago uh, was doing the stand-up routine, and he was talking about growing up in the 80s and watching Unsolved Mysteries. And uh, he didn't actually watch the show, but his parents watched the show. And one night he was walking through the living room, and they were watching Unsolved Mysteries. And there was a person asleep in a bed. And there was a guy standing beside the bed with a knife and the person had their feet out from under the covers. And then he walked out of the room. That's all he saw. He doesn't know what was going on, what happened or anything. And he said, to this day, I cannot sleep with my feet outside the covers because I'm afraid somebody's <laughs> going to be in the room to pull me out of the bed. Um, it's this idea that uh, you're right. Once you see something, yeah. you can't really unsee it. And so, yeah. you know, um, as a parent, especially, you know, with our kids, I want to help them grow into maturity and grow into adulthood. And so there's been a few times where my older girls will say, can we watch this movie? And I'll say, not yet. Uh, Or I don't think we should watch this movie. And sometimes I say, oh, yeah, we can watch this. Uh, But my oldest one now is getting into almost be in high school. And so we're starting to see her and I are starting to watch a little bit more stuff and she can handle stuff better. Uh, but she's also old enough to process some of it now. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the younger you are, the more of a difficult time you have di- uh, differentiating between fiction and reality. And so, when you do start watching really scary things too early, I think it really does, um, you know, leave a very negative impression. So it's certainly good to to know what you can handle, and to as a parent be aware of where your kids are at developmentally and to know what they can handle. And I mean, as a parent, you should always know what your kids are watching and reading and that kind of stuff, not because you want to be just the morality police with them, but because you want to guide them into responsible adulthood. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you know what they're watching, you can have conversations with them about it. Uh, And as you have conversations, you can talk about the choices, the characters are making or the spiritual themes or the uh, philosophical themes, you might not use the word philosophy with a young kid, but the philosophical themes, you know, in a cartoon or whatever else. So,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: I think, uh, Randall, I don't know if I cut you off a second ago or not. No, you no, that's
2: I was just, I was, when you were talking about, you know, Chainsaw Massacre and Saw and all that, uh, I do think there is a genre of horror films that I have very little, appreciation for uh I, I, i'm reminded i think it was siskel and ebert years and years ago that i heard them use the term torture porn
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh and I, I think there's a whole genre of of scary movies that are that uh and it's just these horrible horrible uh things that you know the most convoluted and twisted and and uh horrible thing that, that could be done to another human being you know and uh It almost feels like in that category of movie uh, shock is is about the highest uh, level of attainment in it. You know, just how gross can you make it and how disturbing? Because uh, I do think some of these movies can be very damaging. Uh Uh, It's just not good to put certain thoughts into our heads, you know, and um, so I, I do think there's. There's a point where you, you want to say, OK, yeah, just blanket. If it's spooky, you can't watch it. I think that's that's going too far. You can't read the Bible if that's going to be your approach. Right. But, um, you know, what is the point of the story? Uh, where is this going? And, uh, you know, there are things that should be frightening to us and, and dealing with them, honestly, I think is not a bad thing um but kind of reveling in the darkness uh and and you can sense it i can when i'm watching stuff i can kind of sense where um even shows that are really well written uh sometimes are so hopeless and so dark and so grim uh you know i watched a lot of the walking dead Mm. Uh, it's extremely well written the characters are really engaging but uh It seems like the dominant theme in that show, you know, goes seven or eight seasons into it is if you have any kind of virtue, all you're going to get is killed.
1: Mm.
2: And there's this kind of hopeless, grinding uh, uh, message. Uh, And I think it's helpful to understand that, you know, there are a lot of people around us who that's their outlook on life because Uh – they don't know Christ and they don't know that we we don't have to live with that outlook, you know. Um but yeah. Yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No,
1: Aaron. I like that um that differentiation that you said that the Siskel and Ebert, mm-hmm. torture porn. Mm-hmm. That really is a great word or term phrase <laughs> um for it because I think that again, like you had said earlier, there's a lot of believers and people that don't want to have to think about it to just throw a blanket, like all scary movies, they're demonic, but what we're seeing, you know, like as we're talking and I think we we've known it, but talking it out, like that there are different types of monster films or monster related stories, whether they're books that have you know qualities that we can admire even though if we don't like obviously what the monsters are doing and but it it allows like a a better message to be portrayed but these torture ones are literally just to see how demented really these ideas can get um and Mm because i think that's where i struggled as a teen not knowing how to differentiate like i liked this sci-fi fantasy i love you know you know i'm mean, like i'm okay with like vampire stories and werewolves yeah. and i definitely watch twilight and all those things <laughs> um but to know like well how is that different from you know something that's a you know a little more scary like underworld of course i watched underworld and there's still yeah. parts of i like but you're still kind of rooting for <laughs> the, the yeah. you know the monster um but to see that there are ways we can characterize different films and stories that help us make better choices. I think that that is where Christians need to be cognizant. Like as we work out our faith and live in society, that it's not blanket assumptions, but that, you know, there's some little qualifying things we can look at, like, does this promote torture and is that healthy? Or is it just a story Mm -hmm. about Frankenstein's monster, you know, where that can be, Oh. Um, more moralistically right. beneficial.
0: Promoting torture, uh, maybe inadvertently, but at the same time, you know, uh, parallel, I guess, if you will, to it, um, also desensitizes people towards true evil and violence. And yeah. so, uh, you know, you do have to be careful with that. I've never been a big fan of, of the, uh, like, you know, Friday the 13th or, you know, that kind of stuff, because all it is, is, you know, kids making poor choices uh, and then people taking their clothes off and getting killed, you know, and which is what caused Siskel and eager to come up with that phrase. Right. Um, There's not really a lot of character development or growth in most of these films. That's not always the case. There are some really good slasher movies, but um, by and large, when you get into slasher type films, uh, it's really more about the gore than it is about the story. Yeah. Um, So yeah, for me with even scary movies you know i want there to be a good story i want you to tell me something and teach me something you know i want to be able to reflect on the characters and their choices and apply that to my life or to people i'm having conversations with about it so that we can you know learn and become better from it Uh, i mean that's what good art is supposed to make you do yeah yeah well so um it's uh, probably about time for us to start wrapping up the podcast because, you know, people don't want to hear us talk about Halloween for several hours, I don't think, although they might. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I think, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, you know, as Christians, we don't need to be afraid of Halloween. Uh, in fact, Jesus didn't come to give us a spirit of fear, even though Halloween has a lot to do with fear. <laughs> um, uh, he came to give us um, instead, um, you know, new life and life to the fullest. And, you know, when we have the Holy Spirit living in us, I think we should always be attuned to his convictions and we should follow those convictions. Um, And, you know, a great way to know whether or not you're following those convictions is to also, you know, check whether those convictions are in line with scripture, check with other believers to see if they've come under similar convictions. Some people are going to be convicted not to participate in Halloween at all. And I think that's okay. Uh, At the same time, Uh, A lot of people are going to be not convicted to not participate in Halloween. uh, And then some may even be convicted to participate in it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we always try to put out a blue pumpkin in front of our house. And so when kids in our neighborhood come by with allergies, they know we have stuff at our house that's not going to contain nuts or other certain kinds of things Uh that they can choose from, uh, which is really good because, you know, unfortunately, the kids with allergies, sometimes they go to six or eight houses and only Mm -hmm. get two houses that actually have something they can have. Yeah, And so uh, we feel convicted to do that as a way to be out in our community. Um, I think it's okay to trick or treat. I think it's okay to dress up, but you want to dress up with something that's appropriate for your age and appropriate for uh, you know your values. Um, as far as watching movies goes with friends or going to haunted houses, I think it's okay to do those things. Um, but I also think we just have to use wisdom. Some of those places may not be good. Some movies are not good. Others are okay. Um, it's all about balance and it's all about making choices uh with what you're presented with. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are gonna give out Halloween treats this year, I want to encourage you to um not just give out tracks. If you want to give out tracks with Halloween candy, that's fine, but don't let that replace the Halloween candy. That's just gonna make the people in the neighborhood resent you. So um <laughs> Uh, as far as other, you know, sort of Halloween things go, um, you know, carving pumpkins again, you know, it's it's okay to carve pumpkins. It's fun to carve pumpkins, uh, but you want to carve appropriate things on the pumpkins, you know, uh, things that you're okay with people in the neighborhood walking by and seeing in your pumpkin on the front porch. And so uh, just like everything, you know, there's this idea of moderation And, uh, you know, Paul talks about all things being admissible, but not everything being beneficial. I think that as you participate in Halloween, you just want to make sure that how you participate and what you do is beneficial, is beneficial to you and beneficial to those around you. And so those are sort of my closing thoughts. Any, uh, anybody else have anything they want to say? (laughs) I would say, uh, that, uh, I think it's
2: important that we realize that uh, things like witchcraft or occultism, all these kinds of things, the Bible has very strong warnings about them because there is a real spiritual danger involved in in meddling with these things. Um, in In our Western culture, we often dismiss all of this a lot. but uh, if you've worked with people who come from other cultures where witchcraft is a very vibrant part of the culture, uh, there's a whole lot of uh, weird things that are going on. And when they come to Christ out of these cultures, uh, they they warn very strongly about the negatives of things like, you know, like the Ouija board, you know, trying to communicate with the dead. Uh, there's a reason the Bible tells us not to do this. I think it's that you can't actually do it, that all you're doing is communicating with some kind of imposter spirit who's going to mislead you. Um, but there are definite dangers to, trying to get the things from God that only God can give through other means than faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Bible calls you into this relationship of trust with God. That's the way it's supposed to work. All these other ways to uh, take hold of powers uh, through spells or, or incantations or these kinds of things, it's very attractive because then we can cut God out of the equation. And I think there's a real spiritual downside to all of that. So I wouldn't minimize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the make believe fiction stories, you know, fairy tales and all the kind of stuff that's involved around this time, I think we need to be discerning and distinguish one thing from another and, and not just blanket try to blot everything out because de- demonic deception also happens in nonfiction. Yeah, uh, really. it happens, and and all kinds of it. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know. Romance novels can be filled with uh, demonic deception. So just to to think that you have this Middle Ages caricature of demons attached to it—that's the only thing to worry about. Uh, we have to evaluate everything.
0: Yeah, very yeah. good, Randall.
1: Yeah, I like the 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 kind of the warning to be conscious of like what we're doing to you know, as I mean, I wrote a thesis on chaos, you know, dragon, you know, chaos monsters. And it. the research led into um, looking at fertility cults. And part of the research was looking at like, how could they accept this? Like, how could they accept this type of idolatry and kind of what they were getting into? And part of the the results of looking at that and looking at Um, the old Testament and other texts was like, because they got really apathetic, they stopped thinking, they stopped worrying about like, Oh, we can, and, and and they let it mix kind of without being conscious of like, what are we mixing ourselves into? Um, But they also were not a bubble. And so I think this is where we can apply this Halloween thing today. Like we're not in a bubble. We can't just cut ourselves off and then just have a church only event where everything is good and well And we just want the candy and the fun anyways, um, that we can participate just like the Israelites were still, you know, trading with these other cultures and, and, you know, sometimes intermarrying with these other people. Um, but we have to be conscious of like, what's being brought in, you know, refusing to participate in some things, but, you know, with our freedom in Christ, we can eat food offered to an idol, you know, like we know from the new Testament, that's okay, but this is still real, and we can't ignore the existence of it and think that that our ignorance will shield us from it either so it's a good halloween's a great chance to learn wisdom and balance and discernment but we often don't want to do any of those we just want it to be fed to us yes and not have to think
0: we want we, we want to do it without the wisdom and discernment just with the candy. <laughs> and, um, so, yes. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Niebuhr and Niebuhr in his work on culture. And he talks about there's Christians against culture, but then there's Christians who believe that Christ wants us to transform culture. And there's also Christians who are all for culture. Um, and so the one extreme you're against culture, no Halloween, Halloween, bad, period. Then there's the other extreme. Everything in Halloween is okay. Everything is good. Also not so good. But then there's the discerning ones in the middle who say, you know what? Christ transforms culture. We can go out into this. We can participate in this. And where we have opportunity, we spread the gospel and share God's kingdom with this in mind. And so Uh, you know, as if you're listening, thanks for your uh, time today and for listening to us. Uh, If you choose to participate in Halloween, think about how you can do so Christianly and think about how you can do so in a way that brings honor and glory to God. And think about how you can do so in a way that shares his light in your community, in your neighborhood, in your city. So we will see you guys again next time on the Faith and Culture Now podcast.